everyone and welcome to the year was the podcast all about today that gives you just enough information to effectively be that guy at the party causing all your friends to question hey who invited you like seriously why are you here i'm your host michael montalvo and for the next few minutes we will swim through the river of time to try and find out what makes today truly unique in this episode we examine the events that occurred April 21st. I thought we would take a little bit to talk about history today, as if that's something we don't do every week, and discuss none other than the Red Baron. No jokes this week, it's all serious. Red Baron pizza is made by the Schwann's company. The thing is, though, it wasn't always called Red Baron, it was originally Tony's a brand based out of Kansas, until an ad in the paper by Schwann's resulted in its purchase. Schwann's wanted to get into the frozen pizza market, and in 1970 they purchased the brand and started making the pizza and marketing it to schools and venues such as sporting venues, I assume. This all happened in a relatively short amount of time, and by 1976, Red Baron Pizza was introduced into the market and grew to be known as a quality product and the company's best-selling brand for pizza. In the always-continuing marketing push for brand dominance, the marketing team at Schwann's decided to introduce the Red Baron Squadron, a group of daredevil pilots using vintage planes who also delivered pizza or something. Officially, the similarities of the Red Baron of the pizza world, and for the lack of a better term, real world, are merely coincidental, but it seems a bit hard to believe when comparing the plane and the logo. Also, the real Red Baron's favorite food was pizza. It probably wasn't, I'm making that up. Using the name and the planes, though, allowed Schwann's to piggyback off of a brand recognition that seems a bit odd from a non-marketing point of view. So who was the person that officially did not inspire the name and marketing tactics of the Red Baron pizza brand? That's what we're going to learn about today. See, it all tied together. Actually, now I want pizza. They used to uh, serve Red Baron pizza at my junior high and that was the thing to get, but they always went fast. So you had to hurry and get there. I think they only charged like a dollar for them. Anyway. The Baron, Manfred von Richthofen, was born in Poland, May 2nd, 1892. He enjoyed a privileged early life playing sports and hunting, but by age 11, he and his brothers would follow into their father's footsteps and join the Prussian military. They would attend the Royal Military Academy at Lichterfelde, where young Manfred would eventually rise to the rank of lieutenant in the cavalry division. He eventually would be awarded the Iron Cross for his efforts on the front line. You know, when I was looking at my choices on what to do this week, I narrowed it down to the Battle of San Jacinto and Texas Independence and the Red Baron. So, of course, I went with the one that I would have the most trouble with pronunciation. With the start of the Great War, he saw combat in Belgium and France, but cavalry would not be where he was destined because soon after, Trent's warfare took over and the cavalry was no longer needed. The trench, however, would not be his final stop either, as we know. He was assigned to supply duties and grew tired of his position and saw himself being underused. 
So with this in mind, he wrote a letter to his commanding officer and asked for a transfer to the Imperial German Air Force, which was granted, and by June 1915, he was flying. Kind of. While he was in the plane, in the air, he wasn't the pilot. Instead, he rode in the back seats of planes and gathered information as part of reconnaissance missions. He was still not content with this, and so he went and earned his pilot's license. But he may not have been a natural pilot, or it could be the still relative newness of the airplane. The Wright brothers and Kitty Hawk had only happened 12 years prior when the Baron crashed on his first solo flight, but after catching the attention of Germany's top ace Oswald Bolka, the two set up a meeting. It was after the two met that Bolka recruited the Baron to fly in his new squadron, Jasta II. And it was flying in this squadron that the Baron recorded his first confirmed kill on September 17, 1916. His deadliness in the skies only grew, and he was soon labeled a flying ace with four more kills. But things didn't always go well for the squadron. On October 28, 1916, Bolka collided with another plane and was killed. Richthofen carried Bolka's medals on a pillow during the funeral, and by the next month, increased his kills to 10. By his 16th, he was awarded the Blue Max, a medal awarded for meritorious service, and then was granted his own squadron, Jasta 11, soon after. 1917 was a deadly year for Richthofen. Throughout the spring, he had increased his kill count to 52 and had become one of the most fearsome and deadly pilots in Europe. Germany saw this and began to use him for propaganda. Articles were written about him and he was put onto postcards and also awarded with many military honors. With all of this, you would think he would have a bit of an ego and would want to take risks in order to make his mark, but... By accounts, he was a calm, conservative pilot who relied more on military tactics than showmanship, often flying in formation where, with the aid of his squadron, he was able to ambush the enemy. Even with the help of his team, he could not go on forever. On July 6, 1917, during a dogfight, a British biplane shot at him and the bullet grazed his skull, temporarily blinding and paralyzing him. He managed to regain his senses enough to land behind Germany lines and was taken to a doctor, but would suffer headaches, nausea, and depression as a result. His doctors advised him not to fly, but Richthofen would not hear of it, and returned to active duty by mid-August. He was given command of four squadrons, and also the triplane that he would be most remembered for, as he continued the attacks on Allied forces. Then, on April 20th, 1918, he made his 80th confirmed kill. The year was 1918, and on this day, April 21st, the Red Baron was shot down and killed. The squadron was flying over northern France and began to engage with British forces. Australian forces fired from the ground up, and as the Red Baron engaged with Allied planes, a burst was fired and Richthofen was hit. Here is where some debate comes in. The Royal Air Force officially gives credit to Captain Arthur Roy Brown, but a Discovery documentary gives the credit to Australian gunner W.J. Evans. To further complicate the matter, Australian intelligence gives credit to Sergeant Cedric Popkin of the Anti-Aircraft Machine Gun Company. Some eyewitness accounts suggest it was a shot from the ground and not from the air that resulted in the fatal shot. 
But as he was one of the Allies' most feared and hated enemies, it makes sense that many people would want the credit for his end. In any of these scenarios, it's accepted that a bullet hit his chest and, despite the injury, the Red Baron was able to land the plane. By the time Australian forces reached him, he was, amazingly, still alive but died soon after. You remember when I said he was feared and hated? Well, that's true. But he was also respected and admired. So much so that the Allied forces buried him with full military honors, which included an honor guard firing a salute. He was even given a wreath with the inscription, To our gallant and worthy foe. At the time of his death, he was only 25. He remained at his burial site until 1925, when he was moved to Berlin by request of the German Veterans Organization. By 1961, and the construction of the Berlin Wall, access to the grave and cemetery was available only through special permission. And so, Richthofen's brother made a special request and was granted permission to once again have the remains moved, this time, to the family burial plot in 1975. That's going to do it for us today. If you like this podcast and want to hear more, give us a rate and a review. That helps me out and helps steer this in a direction that is hopefully good for all. If you're watching this on YouTube, you can find the Year Was audio version on your podcast app of choice. You can find me on social media and at YouTube at the Apple Cider Club. And as always, I want to thank the Tim Kreitz Band for our musical theme. And thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.